0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Really, Duncan had it. They turned it over. alley back to Kevin. Oh, baby! Woo! KD! You can see it coming, and the building is electric off that slam dunk. Tropic! welcome into the believe in timberwolves podcast i'm your host brendan Headkey. as always you can find me on twitter at b underscore headkey nba today's show i am again riding solo and i'm here to talk about the minnesota timberwolves wrapping up their season and what we can look for in the future but the first topic i wanted to talk about quickly is the rookie of the year race currently it's a two-man race Tyrese Halliburton has all but fallen out of the race due to his injury and the increased play of one Anthony Edwards, and now it's down to Anthony Edwards and LaMelo Ball, and the race is getting hot, very, very hot. Anthony Edwards is putting up ridiculous numbers since the All-Star break, and he's trying. he's been trying to catch up to LaMelo Ball since then. Ball himself has not been doing the same. Ball missed 21 games, and over that time, Anthony Edwards just skyrocketed. But still, the hype isn't around Anthony Edwards. It's actually still around LaMelo Ball. Just today posted on NBA.com, Steve Ashburner posted his newest NBA rookie ladder. Over the time that LaMelo Ball was down with his wrist injury, Anthony Edwards found himself on the top rung of that ladder, number one on the rookie race, according to Ashburner. Now that LaMelo Ball has came back and he's played seven games since his a wrist injury. Since he came back from his wrist injury, Lamelo Ball is now taking over the number one spot with only five days left in the NBA season. Now that might make sense to you. It might make sense that that you know Lamelo Ball comes back, plays good basketball, and just you know blows Anthony Edwards out of the water, and all of a sudden the race is locked up. But that's not what happened. That is not at all what happened, and that's what's so puzzling to me. Since LaMelo Ball came back from injury. He has played seven games, averaging 15 points, which is solid. That's a little bit lower than his season average. He is averaging uh, 40% from the field and 20.7% from three on four attempts. He's also shooting only 62.5% from the free throw line, pulling down 6.6 rebounds, 6.6 assists, and throwing 3.9 turnovers per game. Anthony Edwards, on the other hand, since Lamelo Ball has returned from his injury, has played in five games. Over the course of those five games, Anthony Edwards is averaging 26.8 points on 56% shooting from the field, 43% shooting from three on 7.4 attempts per game. He's also shooting 72% from the free throw line, pulling down 6.6 rebounds to match Ball's rebounds, and then dishing out 4.6 assists, which is lower than Ball's 6.6, but much higher than Edwards' uh, season average, which is about three, and then throwing 3.8 turnovers. So, in that time, Anthony Edwards is nearly doubling the points of LaMella Ball. He is shooting 16% better from the field, 23% better from three, 24 and a half, or 22.5% better from three and almost 10% better from the free throw line, pulling down the same number of rebounds and throwing just two less assists a game. So don't get me wrong. I'm not making the case right now with this specific argument that just because these five games happened for Ant really good and LaMelo's been struggling for seven, I'm not saying that decides a race. I'm not saying that's why Ant is the rookie of the year. I'm saying that Anthony Edwards deserves a lot more credit and should not have been dropped down a rung on the NBA rookie ladder since LaMelo Ball just came back. LaMelo Ball came back, and if anything, he has hurt his stock rather than helped it. But before we move on with this conversation, I do want to give a quick shout-out to our sponsor. If you love the NBA, or any sport for that matter, and you want to get into the action, the best way to do that is to bet on the games. The Minnesota Timberwolves have an exciting rookie in Anthony Edwards. If you want to go ahead and throw a few dollars down on him winning Rookie of the Year... That might be a smart investment. Now I'm not telling you what to do, but you can definitely go out there and try it. The best way to bet on sports is bet online. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Bet online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets and it's free to sign up. Head to the website betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, let's get back to the talk about the rookie of the year. I don't want to break down the race too much. I've already talked about it before, but I think since last show, Anthony Edwards has definitely helped his case, and Lamelo Ball has definitely hurt his case a little bit. Does that mean Lamelo Ball is going to lose the race? I don't know. I don't want to break that that down too much. I'd rather have a conversation with someone to get you know differing sides of the argument, and maybe we'll do that before before the award is announced. But I just want to get this out there and make this clear because I think it is important for us to really understand. And I think Timberwolves fans have it in their minds that there's a vendetta against Anthony Edwards, that the media just hates Anthony Edwards, that Anthony Edwards, there's something out to get him. And I don't necessarily think that's true at all, to be honest with you. I don't think it has anything to do with Anthony Edwards. I think Anthony Edwards is liked by a lot of media. I think some fans uh, across the NBA that don't really understand Anthony Edwards' game and haven't really realized how good he's been post All Star break. Um, just think of him as an inefficient scorer, and you know they just look at the season long numbers and don't really understand the growth that that you Timberwolves fans, me, you, those of you listening to this podcast, have seen over the course of this season. We've seen his efficiency numbers go up. He's shooting his true shooting percentage is at or above league average since the since the all-star break and that are those are things that people just don't really look into if you're not a fan of Anthony Edwards and or the Minnesota Timberwolves. But like I was saying, I don't think there's a vendetta against Anthony Edwards. I think there's just a lot of hype around LaMelo Ball. LaMelo Ball has been a child star, a child prodigy ever since his brother him and his brothers played for Chino Hills when he was in like seventh or eighth grade. It all started then. And it's been building this narrative. He went overseas, and the narrative kind of went against him. People didn't really believe that he would be a solid player. You know, he came back to high school. He wasn't highly ranked in the ESPN 100 anymore. He went overseas. He came back, and all of a sudden he's a top three pick, and he's looked really good this season. And he has. He's looked really good this season. But the point still stands. I don't think there's a vendetta against Anthony Edwards. I think there is just a lot to a lot more to lose if if Ball doesn't win Rookie of the Year than if Anthony Edwards doesn't win Rookie of the Year. LaMelo Ball draws in a lot of fans. LaMelo Ball is one of the biggest stars on social media that basketball has ever seen. Him winning Rookie of the Year is going to keep drawing in younger fans. That's my point of view. I don't think there's anything against Anthony Edwards from people... I think LaMelo Ball and Anthony Edwards are both deserving of a Rookie of the Year nod. They've both played like a Rookie of the Year. I'm not going to take anything away from from LaMelo Ball. I'm not going to try and argue against him. I'm just going to tell you how I feel, and I don't think there's a vendetta against Anthony Edwards. I just think that there's a lot of hype around Ball, and he's played good, too. It's not the hype that we saw around other players that just fizzled out. He's actually playing good, too, so it would... Feel somewhat warranted if he did win, though I would pick Anthony Edwards, but you get the point. Other than that, I want to move past the Rookie of the Year talk, and I want to talk about the Minnesota Timberwolves in general, and where they're looking in the Tankathon standings. As I figured would happen, Minnesota did go on to win the uh, last two games against the Detroit Pistons and the um, Orlando Magic. And I, I think those wins though against really really bad teams were really important when you look at how they got the win it wasn't the win against the Rockets where they had to go on a 27 to nothing run just to get to the you know the win it wasn't any of that they legitimately blew both teams out of the water and the game was over not long after it started um generally speaking and I think that's really important when you think about this Minnesota team who we've always known is better than the record showed at the beginning of the year, but they just played down to competition just over and over and over and over again. And we're seeing less and less of that the longer that Chris Finch is at the helm. And I think that's something that's really important. Getting a team to play up to their competition or above their competition rather than playing down to their competition is one of the best things that a coach can do. And you do that by instilling confidence in your players, instilling a system that allows players to flourish, and I think those are things that are just really, really important. Um Really important, you know, characteristics of a good coach. And I think that goes well, bodes well for Chris Finch to be a good coach. He's looked really good this season, drawing up plays. He's one of the best after timeout play, um play draw or uppers, I guess. I don't know what I want to call that. Orchestrators um this year. I think he's second behind. Uh, Steve Nash and Steve Nash has KD, James Harden, Kyrie Irving. You're going to get your points regardless. But for the Wolves to be second in that with Chris Finch, uh, that's really impressive. Outside of that, I wanted to look at the Tankathon standings, as we do like to call them, and just see where everybody's at. Currently, Houston is 16 and 53. They have locked up the number one odds. Um, they're actually they will end the season with the worst record in the league. Um the but they'll share the same odds as second and third. Detroit is 20 and 50. They are one game ahead of Oklahoma City, who is 21 and 49. And then Cleveland and Orlando have played one less game than OKC, and they both have 48 losses, so they're 21 and 48 each. And then Minnesota just beat, uh, Orlando, or just beat Detroit to move to 22 and 47, all but securing the uh, sixth odds in less than Cleveland, Orlando, or OKC lose another game, then there would be some coin flip action that comes into play there. But when we look at the remaining schedules of these teams, and then Toronto is five games, Toronto is five games better than Minnesota, so they Minnesota's not falling any worse than six. Six is the worst, and it's probably where they're gonna end up with. So I just wanna go ahead and look at the remaining schedule. See if any of those teams possibly could win another game. OKC has two games left. They are playing the Jazz and the Clippers. I do not think they will be beating either of those teams. Uh, Orlando has two games against the 76ers and one game against the Hawks. I think both those teams are fighting for playoff position. And I don't think that Orlando is going to put up too much of a fight. I'm sure a lot of players will be staying for them. Detroit has a game against the Nuggets and a game against the Miami Heat. Miami Heat are still battling for um position in the Eastern Conference, so I don't think that they will go down easy. And uh Denver is actually also trying to get up to that third seed. They're only a game back behind the Clippers, so they could potentially go up to that third seed. So I think that all those teams are going to, you know, have something to play for. And then you look at Houston, they got the Clippers, the Hawks and the Lakers. They're going to lose all three of those. They're tanking wonderfully. And then the last team is Cleveland. Cleveland has the Nets and the Celtics. And the Nets currently sit as the number 2 seed in the Western Conference. They're two games or in the Eastern Conference, they're two games back from the 76ers. Um they would need some real good luck in those last. They would need the 76ers to, you know, lose a few of those games, a couple at least, and they need to win them all kind of to get up into that the number 1 seed and I just don't see the 76ers losing, you know, two games to, you know, they have two against Orlando left and one against Miami. So I just don't see that happening. Um, So maybe somehow, you know, Cleveland could pull out a win against the Nets. They've kind of had the Nets number all season, um, but I wouldn't count on it. And then Boston is trying to fight to not fall down to the eight or nine seed. They're currently sitting at seven. Uh, They lost Jalen Brown, which is really unfortunate, but they are still fighting to, you know, stay at that seven seed rather than falling down in the play in tournament. But regardless, I don't think any of the any of those teams are going to win any games. I really do not think that um, any of those teams will win any of their final games and make it matter whatsoever. Minnesota, on the other hand, they're playing Denver, Boston, and Dallas. I think that Minnesota, with the way that they've been playing, could steal a game or two. I just think that they're, they're not sending anybody. They are going out full board, trying to win some basketball games. I could see them beating one of those teams. Who I don't know. I am re- looking really. I'm really looking forward to the Denver Nuggets matchup, so we can see Cat um, go against Jokic. I think that's going to be really fun. We've seen Cat do really well against Nicole Yo- or excuse me Rudy Gobert this season. We've seen Cat play really good against Bam Adebayo. Cat um, played really well against Joel Embiid. And the next best center, the other top five center on the list, is Nicole Jokic, who is the best center in the league at, at this moment. And Cat's going to go up against him for the uh, next game, which is Thursday night at 7 o'clock. And that'll be a fun one. I think it'll be really fun to see how Cat plays in that game and to see how that matchup ends up. And if the Timberwolves can somehow win one of those games. Um, And after Thursday, on Saturday, the the Timberwolves do play the Celtics at home. By the way, all the final games are at home. So the Celtics are coming to town, and I will actually be in attendance for... The Celtics-Timberwolves game on Saturday night. I will be there covering the game. And I'm really excited to do that. And that should be a good one. I'm hoping we can get a a win while I'm there. Because why not? We're going to get the sixth pick anyways. Try and win all these games. And then the last game is against the Dallas Mavericks. And the Dallas Mavericks, like I said, that will also be at home. And that's on Sunday. Times will be uh, to be determined. But those are going to be some really fun games. I'm really looking forward to seeing how those turn out. But as of now... I think that the Timberwolves are going to have their, their work cut out for them because the Nuggets, the Mavericks, and the Celtics are all looking and fighting to get the best playoff positioning as possible. Um, the Mavericks are trying to not fall down to seven but, and maybe possibly jump up to five. They're tied for fifth right now. So all those teams are going to really be looking to win those basketball games. The Timberwolves, like I said, we're gonna sit at the sixth pick. It's going to end up being the sixth pick. I don't think that there's really a world where it doesn't. But um what's what's bad about that? The bad thing is about the Minnesota Timberwolves ending up as the sixth pick is that they don't have the best odds at a top three pick, which we all know by now, they need a top three pick to keep their pick. If they don't get a top three pick, it's a or if they get a top three record. 40.1% chance to get a top three pick. They're not going to get a top three record or bottom three record, excuse me. Uh, if you move down to fourth, it drops to thirty-six point six, which is uh, you know, three and a half percent drop. And then at fifth, Orlando sitting with like, I believe a thirty percent or thirty-two percent chance, something like that. Um, just over thirty, yeah. Thirty-one point uh 31.6, and then Minnesota, we'd be sitting down at about 27.5%, so we're 12.5% away from the best possible odds, so that that sucks. But the good news, the good side of finishing with the sixth record, or the sixth odds rather than the you know top three odds, is where that pick might fall if you're giving it to Golden State. The Golden State Warriors can only get the pick if it falls from four and later. Right now, with the 6, where the Timberwolves, you know, 99% sure are going to end up. uh, It's a 9.6% chance that Golden State could get it at 4. There is no chance that Golden State could get the 5th pick. Then there is an 8.6% chance they could get the 6th pick, a 29.8% chance that they get the 7th pick, a 20.5% chance they get 8, 3.7% chance they get 9, and just a 0.2% chance that they get ten. So the most likely landing spots for our pick are 7 or 8. When you're talking about the 7th and 8th pick, that rules out the Cade Cunningham, Jalen Suggs, Evan Mobley, Jalen Green, and Jonathan Kuminga um, names from being in Golden State. And that feels like a big win. When you you talk about Golden State who thought they were going to end up with a Jalen Green or Jonathan Kuminga with this pick, now they only have a 9.6% chance of getting that pick, getting that 4th pick to get one of those guys. And there's still some solid players, don't get me wrong. I haven't dug too much into the draft past the few top guys just because the Timberwolves only can get those top guys as of now. Um, but I think there's some solid players down in the in the lower ranks there with like the 6th, 7th, 8th, 9th, 10th pick. But I just don't foresee um, any of those guys being real franchise-changing like some of the guys in the top five could be. But those, I think, are the, the good and bad things of landing a... Um, of landing at the sixth best odds at the top three pick. And you still have 27% chance to to get the pick. So at the end of the day, you still have a shot. Nobody has better than a 40% chance. You have a 27% chance. It's worse, um, quite a bit worse, but not out of the realm of possibility. We saw Charlotte jump up from eight to three last year. And and things happen like that all the time, especially with these new lottery odds. You never know what's going to happen. Lottery night is going to be crazy. And I'm just hoping that the Minnesota Timberwolves look out. And if they don't, I'm happy and content with how they finish the season. And that's where I'm going to leave it at that. The next thing I want to talk about is just how far the Timberwolves have come in the standings. I think at their worst point, the Timberwolves were, I believe, three and a half games worse than the, um, three and a half games worse than the Houston Rockets. Currently, the Timberwolves sit at six games better than the Houston Rockets. Minnesota, prior to the All-Star break, were 7-29. Tw- um, Ryan Saunders was 7-24 and 24 as the head coach. Chris Finch lost his first five games going into the All-Star break, and they ended up 7-29. and 29. Since the All-Star break, the Minnesota Timberwolves are now, they're 22 and, hold on, let me double check. I think 22 and 47 on the year, so they've played 69 of their 72 games. 22 and 47, so they have went 15 and 18 since the all-star break and that just feels like very very good progress chris finch as a head coach is 15 and 23 record not great but uh quite a bit better than than ryan saunders could do the worst the timberwolves can finish this season is 22 and 50 that would leave them at 15 and 21 since the all-star break the best they could do is 18 and 18 and be a 500 team post all-star break i don't think Either of those happen for, I just have a weird feeling to win at least one of these games. Uh, So you're probably looking at like a 16 and 20 record after the all-star break. That's pretty good. It's, it's not 500, but relatively speaking for the Minnesota Timberwolves, that is pretty, pretty good. So what has happened with the Timberwolves over that time? I think that Chris Finch has just got his fingers all over the place, and that the Timberwolves have getting, gotten healthy. It does come with a disclaimer that Ryan Saunders' seven and twenty-nine game or record came with only four games of Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell together, and that definitely doesn't help his case. But I think just seeing what we've seen with Chris Finch, um, we can say that he's done a better job, regardless. And I just wanted to break down the stats of our core three. I would call them. I, I would throw Jaden McDaniels in the core too, but his stats aren't jumping off the page either way, um, post-All-Star break and pre-All-Star break. But Carl Anthony Towns has. Since the All-Star break, excuse me, like, let me go back. Before the All-Star break, Carl Anthony Towns averaged 22 points on 49% from the field, 37.5% from three, just about 11 rebounds, and just about four assists. Since the All-Star break, Carl Anthony Towns is averaging 26.5 points on 48.7%, shooting 39.7 from three on seven attempts, uh, 10.3 rebounds, and 4.9 assists. So he's a whole assist higher since the All-Star break. Anthony Edwards, pre-All-Star break, he played in every single game. He played 36 games, and he averaged 14.9 points on 37% from the field, and 30% from three, four rebounds, and two and a half assists. Post-All-Star break, Anthony Edwards is averaging a incredible 23.5 points on 45.2% from the field, 34.7% from three on eight attempts, 5.5 rebounds, and 3.2 assists in 35 minutes a night. D'Angelo Russell, prior to the All-Star break, he played a lot of games without Carl Anthony Towns. D'Angelo Russell averaged 19.3 points on 42% from the field, 40% from three on seven attempts, five assists and 2.7 turnovers, and 2.6 rebounds. After the All-Star break, this is a lot of numbers, forgive me. After the All-Star break, D'Angelo Russell's averaging 18.9 points, so he dipped a little bit in scoring. He's shooting 43.9% from the field and 39% from three on 7.4 attempts but he's also dishing 6.6 assists and 2.7 grabbing 2.7 rebounds and only throwing 2.7 turnovers and he's doing all that in just 27.2 minutes a night. So if we go to his per 36 minutes, um he's averaging 25.1 points per game and 8.7 re, or 8.7 assists and 3.6 rebounds. So he has been really really impactful as a point guard for this Minnesota Timberwolves team since the All-Star break. And I think that's something that is really important when you look at the future of this team is how good has he been at distributing the ball. And when you're talking about 8.7 assists uh, per 36 minutes post-All-Star break, when before the All-Star break he was averaging only uh, 6.2 assists, that's a whole two and a half assist bump. That's pretty impressive. But the Minnesota Timberwolves, I think, are just in a much better place then a, a lot of people really understand that they are. If we go down the list, I think the Minnesota Timberwolves are in a better place than the Detroit Pistons. I think they are in a better place than the Cleveland Cavaliers. Cleveland Cavaliers have some pieces. Jared Allen is looking really good. Colin Sexton is looking really good. And, you know, Darius Garland's look good. Isaac Coros had his ups and downs. And they found some, some contributors, you know, just on the fringes. But when you look at it, Carl Anthony Towns is better than Colin Sexton. Uh Jared Allen's probably a little bit better than, than D'Angelo Russell. I would say Darius Garland Anthony Edwards are pretty close to the same at this juncture, but I think Anthony Edwards has a little more potential than Garland. Go to Houston. Carl Anthony Towns is better than any player on the Houston Rockets. We'll call Christian Wood their best player. Their second best player potentially could be like john wall or i just got to pull up their roster real quick because they've had incredible roster turnover this year um but no i would say that carlin towns is definitely better than christian wood i would say um you know kevin porter jr john wall those types of players maybe maybe john wall has a case to be better than than d'angelo russell i would say that anthony edwards is better than um, Kevin Porter Jr., I would say that he's better than Jay Sean Tate, and all those guys. So I think the Timberwolves just have a, a better roster in general. Then you go down to uh, OKC. OKC has Shea Gilchrist-Alexander. He's not quite the player Carl Anthony Towns is, but he's a heck of a player. They have some other fascinating pieces like Lou Dort and Baisley and just they have a ton of different players that I think are really interesting to... Um, to really think about as future players, but I don't think they rival the Timberwolves roster at all. Uh, Orlando, I also don't think rivals the Timberwolves roster at all, though Jonathan Isaac is a heck of a defender. Um, you have Cole Anthony, who's looked like a very impressive rookie. Uh, Wendell Carter Jr., I think, is a really promising young center. You have RJ Hampton, who's looked good. You have Markel Fultz. That when healthy has looked pretty solid. And I'm sure I'm forgetting just a ton of players on the Magic but I think that they have looked really solid this season. And um, in a developmental standpoint, when you're talking about getting things from from those players, you know, you're getting quite a bit out of people like, you know, RJ Hampton has looked really good since he came over from Denver and those things. So, you know, they have some promise there. But like I said, they're still a ways behind the Minnesota Timberwolves. And then there's a the couple teams that I think kind of rival the Timberwolves, but I would st- Question if the Timberwolves are better. One is Sacramento. I would say Cat and De'Aaron Fox are at the same level, probably as players. And then you go down to the second best players and you have, you know, Tyrese Halliburton and Buddy Healed. When Minnesota has Ant and D'Lo. I think Minnesota takes that one a little bit. Toronto's an interesting one. You have Pascal Siakam who's same caliber of player as Carl Anthony Towns, I would say at this juncture in their careers. Um OJ Ananobi's look good. Gary Trent Jr.'s a solid player. Um, Fred Van Vliet, you know, Fred Van Vliet's po- probably a little bit better than, than D'Angelo Russell, definitely a little bit better than D'Angelo Russell. So I think that probably gives Toronto a slight edge. OG and has been good. Um, you go to Indiana, Indiana has Sabonis, Sabonis and Cat are about the same level. Then you have Malcolm Brogdon, Karis LeVert, you know, I think they maybe have a slight edge over the Minnesota Timberwolves. And then the Spurs, the Spurs are really interesting. They don't have necessarily one player that really rivals the uh, the Timberwolves roster in general. But when you think about them with their system and how they play, um, I think they might have it a little bit. Though DeMar DeRozan is quite a bit older than Cat. I would say him and Cat are about at the same level right now. But Cat obviously has much bigger future upside. But then they have a bunch of young players who have looked really good. you got Kelvin Johnson. DeJounte Murray's been solid uh, Devin Vassell's a rookie, Lonnie Walker's been pretty good, Derek White, um, and I think they've just been overall a pretty solid team, and they might be, you know, a little bit better than the Timberwolves, but, uh, when you look at the future, I might give the nod to the Timberwolves. Regardless of all that, that all is to just say, the Timberwolves are possibly in a better spot than nine other teams going into next year, with the potential of landing a top three pick, Obviously Detroit, Cleveland, Houston, OKC, Orlando have great potential to add one if not two lottery picks in this year's draft. Um, Sacramento as well, Toronto as well, but the Timberwolves, with what they've been building, I've been very encouraged by that and I think they have one of the best coaches out of the bunch. Um When you talk about Sacramento has Luke Walton, I think he... Probably needs to go there. Toronto has Nick Nurse, which is a good coach. Indiana has Nate Bjorkrin, which there's been a ton of follow, and I don't know all the details or anything by any means. So I'm going to leave that for the experts. The Spurs have Greg Popovich, one of the the best minds in the NBA. Orlando has Steve Clifford, who's a very solid coach. I don't think he gets enough credit. Uh, OKC has Mark Dagnalt, I think is how you say his name. He's looked like a pretty solid um, first-year coach uh, at the beginning of the season. Houston has Steven Silas, who's been given a really bad bill of health, and kind of just, they told him to tank, and he's been doing that. Cleveland, J.B. Bickerstaff, I think he is um, a really good coach. And then Detroit, um, wow, I can't remember who Detroit has as a head coach. Hold on just one second. Oh yes, Detroit has Dwayne Casey, who I think is a decent head coach. Um, I don't think he's got enough credit for some of the stops he's, he's had, but I don't think he's top tier. I think Chris Finch is maybe one of the top three or four coaches on that list of teams I named, Um, you know, Nick Nurse and Greg Popovich, and then maybe I would give the nod to Chris Finch, which is exciting because the Timberwolves haven't really had a good coach since I would say, I guess, Tom Thibodeau, because he had some success, but I think that Tom Thibodeau's system didn't really fit the players that he had, and Finch is installing the system that does, so that's really interesting. But overall, I just wanted to point out that I think the Timberwolves are in a pretty good spot, and... I think that bodes well for the future. But regardless, I just wanted to bring up those topics, talk about the future of the Timberwolves as the season is wrapping up on Sunday night. Actually, maybe Sunday afternoon. Uh, we haven't really seen the times for that, but we will see. We'll see what next year brings. We'll see what the lottery brings. I will be continuing to do this podcast throughout the summer, heading into the draft lottery, heading into the draft the draft itself, heading into the combine, combine all those things. I will be here. I will be recording this podcast, hopefully once a week. Thank you to all of you who have been supporting this podcast so far. The support has been incredible, and I really do appreciate that. Other than that, that's pretty much all I have for you today. Um, thank you again to our sponsor, uh, Bet Online. This show has been presented by Bet Online, and I will be back next week to wrap up this NBA season, and I am, again, very grateful for you um, that have been listening to this podcast, and I will see you in the next episode. Peace out. Thank you for listening to Believe.